First Peter chapter 3, we're looking at a message that I've entitled Submission to Bless. Submission to Bless. And it comes from First Peter chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. And so if you would pray with me as we uh, seek the Lord here this morning. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and to worship you, Lord. And we thank you, God, that, Lord, Lord, even in this, Lord, we are, be, we're, we are being challenged. Lord, often so many of us, myself included, have often said the church is not a building. And, man, we are being reminded of that very clearly in these days. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that even though we are scattered, uh, we are still together. And so we thank you for that, God. Thank you for that reality uh, of the blood of Jesus that, that makes us the family of God. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would speak to us. Lord, we need to hear your word this morning. And Father, I pray that you would speak boldly through me, God, that you would lead me and guide me as I give your word to your people. And we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, in a message I've entitled, Submission to Bless, uh, almost in a take of, uh, of, well, anyways, it's just Submission to Bless. And so, as you know, I mean, this is what the message is going to be about. It's continuing this vein in submission. It continues, and I know uh, what you're thinking. What in the world can we get off of this talk about submission already? I mean, when we think about submission, submitting to our governing authorities, I mean, there might be some that think, well, doesn't that make us weak? Doesn't that make us seem somehow like we're letting, you know, our enemies or, or certain people who don't think the same way as us really get one over on us? Um, and I believe that's part of the point. When we think about making us weak, so to speak, I mean, the reality is for the follower of Jesus that's when we finally are able to see Jesus become so much stronger in us and through us, right? When I am weak, He is made stronger. And I notice that, that as I look at these scriptures, there is definitely a method to the badness of Peter and having us deal with these tough topics about submission and so forth. And I know that already he's hinted at the greater you know, example of submission when we look to Jesus but as we think about this, it started with this command, right, to love one another fervently. And then it really starts to get into the nitty gritty. It begins to really challenge us to submit to the governing authorities and to all the ordinances of man, right? Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And so we have this very big circle of area where we're called to submit. But then as we move into the next phase of, of this text, that circle gets a little bit smaller, doesn't it? And then we were challenged in last week, you know, not just in that bigger circle, but to submit ourselves to our masters, or you could say in modern day terms to our bosses or our local governments or those locally whose authority we are under. Even when they're harsh, even when it doesn't make sense, when they are operating without rational thought. But this morning, that circle gets even smaller, okay? It gets even smaller because now, you ready for this? That circle now includes your own home, being under authority, being, you know, in authority in the house, Really, that, that's where this springboard comes forth because that is the place that we live. That's the place that, that people see the real us. And, and Peter just really, doesn't he, that big circle, then it gets smaller, and then it zeroes in to the places where it's really, it's really hard to keep masks on at home and so forth, isn't it? And so now, that circle includes married couples. I know, you knew this was coming, right? As soon as I started getting into 1 Peter, many were like, oh man, what's he going to do when he comes to these verses? Well, we're going to attack them and we're going to speak the things that God has shared in His Word. And there it is, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands and husbands dwell with them with understanding. It's like the main thrust of where we're going this morning. Now, I know you might think, okay, Joe, this is... You know, this whole quarantine thing, this COVID thing has got us all mad and wonky. And now you want to get into this. Now you want to 
you know, start uh, getting into these kinds of things. Look, now's not the time, Joe, to be old fashioned. Now's not the time to be machismo, you know, or just like super like, I don't know, but we had, I don't even know what the English word version of that, but uh, what we call it machismo, where the man came in and he's like, he ruled the home, so to speak. Now's not the time for that. You know, our country, our culture is, is way beyond those archaic ways of thinking. Now wait, hold the phone. Let, let's look at this for a second, right? Don't turn off your receptors just yet. I get it. Some pastors, for sure, in the, in the past, and maybe you grew up in those churches where, you know, they, they approached these verses and it was very harsh, and I don't mean harsh in their, in, in, their, in their rational way of thinking, but just maybe has come across harsh and it has put a, a bad taste in your mouth. And, and maybe in some cases, some of you have been in a marriage or have been in past relationships where the men have really used verses like this to really uh, bring this, this ultra like authoritarian way of, of relating in relationship, you know, and, and almost to the point of demanding marital slavery. But in the process, you know, the, the idea of making you feel less than human and, 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 you know, those kinds of feelings, that's not what God intended in these things. As you notice, there is a bigger picture at play in all these areas where we're called to, as servants of God, to submit. Because here, as you think about this, there is something going on here more than just, you know, Pursuing marital bliss. But there is the hope for marital harmony for sure. God, I think, promises that. When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 21, I think Paul gives us insight into this way to approach even these verses, right? I mean, when you look at Ephesians chapter 5, which is speaking really about relationship between believers, a verse that I think is often maybe left out in marriage counseling or even in the marriage ceremony, Paul says there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, I'll read this to you real quickly as by way of introduction, right? He says there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He sets this precedent. He, he, he sets kind of this, this path or this foundation that then springs us into the actual marriage relationship. There is a sense of submitting one to another. There's this, it speaks of equality. And then that's what we're going to share a little bit about this morning. There's definitely an equalness there, but we all definitely have different roles. Right? It goes both ways. There are roles that God has ordained for us, but it starts with mutual submission to one another. Submission in marriage leads to greater things because really in the big picture, and here's why I think it's so important, because in the big picture, picture as followers of Jesus, we're called to be a blessing to others. That's our calling. You'll see that here in a little bit that, that Peter really points out. But we're called to be a blessing to others, especially in light of our temporary stay here on earth. Right? We were meant to bless in the hope in the off chance, because Jesus loves the world, because remember, our suffering is temporary, because following Jesus means, right, there is an opportunity that someone will come face to face with the ultimate blessing ever. Right? A saving, faith-filled, face-to-face knowledge that leads to the worship of Jesus. God who loves humanity who wants then to be in relationship with us. See, the goal is, the bigger picture is submission to bless. Right? It's not like, well, I, I need your permission to bless, if you will. But there is something about submission that, that opens the door to blessing. That in many ways, man, just lets down the walls. And I know you know this. 
I know that in our lives and in, in, in families and, and, and working, and many of you have been in the workforce for 20, 30, 40 years, many of you are just starting out, and doesn't it always somehow, some way, revolve around this idea of mutual submission? I mean, I think you've heard the term before, that phrase, right? There, there's too many chefs in the kitchen, right? Or, there, you know, or I, I guess I can't say the other one because then it would be culturally insensitive. <laughs> you know, man, but, but you get it, I think. We've all have done that. We've all have, have been in those places where somebody has to lead and somebody has to follow. Otherwise, no one is going anywhere. And I believe we see the same thing here as we look at it, but especially for us as followers of Jesus, there is an ulterior motive here, and I believe a good one, submitting to bless, a blessing that starts here and on earth, on heaven and earth, but that just goes into eternity. And so this morning, we're going to look at three things that bring submission and blessing together. The first one is we're going to look at the incorruptible beauty of submission, Then the second one we will see to honor together means grace together. And then the third one, called to bless. Called to bless. There's almost a sense where I'm like, man, maybe I should pray one more time. (laughs) But here are the verses getting to our first point, right? The incorruptible beauty of submission. Look at these first six verses and I'll read them. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. And I think you can underline that verse real quick as a highlight. So there's not to overlook the other side of this picture. And in some cases have been kind of washed away, I think, by some groups. That in holy women, right, who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And so as we look at that, we're going to see there is just some obvious realities here that we have to deal with. Now, the first thing is here, as we see, is that Peter then calls the wives, the women here. Now, again, understand that this is not setting up this thing that's saying, well, man, if, if I am a gal and I am not married, then I am less than a woman. Because I think in some ways, many times our culture, especially within the church, we've made such a mistake as elevating the role of marriage to be like the end all. This is like the goal, right? And I'm sure many of you ladies have been guilty. We sing a nice a sweet, you know, young lady comes into church, you find out she's single, and all of a sudden, you want to play matchmaker. And then really, it just does a disservice, because that is not the end goal, whether it's for men or women, it's like single man, single woman, okay, let's put them together. Like, how do you know? I mean, one, you shouldn't be meddling, obviously, in one, one case. But two, how do you know what God has in store for these people? Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. And again, I want to reiterate that if you are a single person in the fellowship, in the church, it doesn't mean that you are less than. But we also want to take into account that that Peter is speaking to people that are going through some issues right now. There were some things that were happening in the early church as this was brand new, right? Uh, the, the faith of following in Jesus or in the steps of Jesus was brand new and they were facing some very intense obstacles. Again, remember, their faith is being tested in the middle of great persecution here, right? But he does call to the fact that here is a very important thing to look at marriage. And I know in many ways we're going to be hitting some topics that are super you know, controversial in our culture today, okay? But not a shame, man, 
This is how the Lord has laid it out for us. And I think there's blessing, and I think hopefully we'll see that bigger picture. So he does call wives, speaking to wives, right? Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, real quick, likewise is a super important word here, too, because what he's doing is that Peter is pulling in everything that's been going on, everything that's been spoken of uh, up to this point. And one of the main factors, hopefully, that you've found that I am finding, right, is that just like last week's study, we have to make this a, a, a really a choice or a decision in our lives. Are we servants or are we masters? Right, because we are all on the same playing field, right? We all came to Jesus in the same way. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all been, as followers of Jesus, rescued and brought into the kingdom of God. And in that, we have different roles. But we still have to wrestle with that question, are we servants or are we masters? And so even in this case, Paul, I mean, Peter, which, which I, I keep saying Paul, because there's such like this similarities, right, between Paul and Peter and the way they're speaking. And it's almost a cool thing because you see that they're in unison on the things that the Spirit of God has given them as men, you know, as men to, to bring the Word of God to us. Right? And so he calls that, right? It's almost like this recognition. And just before we go further, we remember, all of us, myself included, were called servants of God. And so likewise, in the same way, speaking to married women, right? We follow in the same flow as before as servants. And, and Peter emphasizes that. We need to still be viewing ourselves as servants. So he says, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. To your own husbands. I would hope that as we go through these verses too, that there is some clarification. Because understand that Peter says there, be submissive to your own husbands. Right? There's a relational aspect here that's reserved for that relationship. It does not mean, and unfortunately we have seen it, haven't we, in our culture and and in, in our history of mankind where verses like this have been distorted. And unfortunately, sadly, like we as men have made women over the years feel inferior and less than. And I think in some cases, we've used verses like this, like women be submissive. But Peter makes it clear that this is talking about that individual marital relationship. It does not put women as second-class citizens or that, again, she is inferior to all men or that she should submit to all men. This is regarded for the marriage role. Be submissive to your own husband. Not to that guy over there or that person over there. They've got their own thing that they're falling under. He's speaking to us as married couples. And let's, again, be clear. This is not a subservient role or meant to diminish. But in this context, right, we're speaking of the marriage unit. It's a picture being put on display here. And this is why I believe marriage is so important. Why? Why it's worth even protecting in many ways. Because there is a greater picture that's being displayed here, that God is trying to impart to humanity. And one of those ways, too, is and we, we find, you'll see, is love. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 31, I don't have time this morning to go through that, but you, roll, you go through that, and, and you can look at the role of marriage in some ways. Many times it's, it's uh, said in, in wedding ceremonies and so forth. I've often said it, and it, was, and it is a part of my ceremony, not because I want to be like, ha-ha, you women, listen up, it's time to submit. You know, are you men, you know, you guys stop being a knucklehead and be willing to die for your wife. But there is a beautiful picture of there. Paul even calls it a mystery of this relationship. And I know this might be too, you know, touchy-filly for some guys, but there is it is one song, I don't think we've sung it in a long way, but called Divine Romance. And it just has this sense of, of God wooing mankind, of wanting to pursue mankind. And then mankind is, is responding to that love. 
Now again, we live in a fallen world, and so marriage doesn't always look that, unfortunately. I get that. But nonetheless, there is a picture there that God wants to be put on display where the bride equals the church, and the groom equals Jesus. Marriage is a sacred covenant, a beautiful picture of relational unity and also of mutual submission. I mean, just right there in this picture of of the Trinity of God, something that used to, I mean, it's still a mystery and still that blows me away, but even greater that's come out of looking at the the, the picture of the Trinity is, is you have this Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have this mutual submission, this relational unity that's happening that now, that God is now inviting mankind into that. And there's a role for us to play. There's a role for women to play. There's a role for men to play. Now again, keep in mind that we live out marriage definitely in a fallen world. But nonetheless, he calls women here in this context to be in subjection. Again, in the same way we submit ourselves to the Lord as servants of the Lord. And see, here's something that, that I think can go both ways. You know, and I think something, I think Greg, uh, Pastor Greg kind of touched on a little bit. I think it was last week in our midweek or maybe the week before that. And how many times we're so willing to give grace. We're so willing to submit to other people in our lives whether it be our bosses or friends or acquaintances. But somehow, when, when it comes close to home, it seems like that's our biggest failure. You know, I, I will submit to my boss, but man, I'm not going to submit to my husband. You know, I will listen, you know, to this gal at work or whatever, and, and I hear what she has to say because, man, she, you know, she has this education and she's, she's got some wisdom and like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to change my direction. But then somehow when it comes to our wives, we're not willing to then mutually submit. And I think here, really, Peter is calling us, bringing us in as the whole flow has been going in submitting, right? He brings it close to home for us. In that marriage relationship, right? To be in subject or to submit to your spouse. How much more so to our spouses, right? How much more so? I mean, ladies, honestly, if we're willing to, to do that to a friend or a boss or, or someone else, why not our husbands? Why not our spouses? Like, that's who we've chosen chosen to live life with. That's who we've chosen to be intimate with. That's who we've chosen to commit before friends and family and relatives, right? On that day when we made that commitment and we said, I do, how much more so as followers of Jesus I mean, when you think about the opportunity for healing and for, um, for harmony and even, even what it does and, and how it displays and teaches our children about just like simple facts of life, not always going to be right. I make mistakes. Sometimes your dad is right. Sometimes your mom is right. Sometimes dad's making some crazy mistakes, but I love him and I'm going to submit. I'm going to follow his lead. And then in husbands to be like, man, you know what? Thanks, babe, for letting me do that or or, or just being with me on that. And you know what? Actually, that was the wrong choice. I messed up. I mean, I think it all, we we get so intense. We want to be so like, like, you know, really rigid in these things. And we forget to look at the bigger picture of what's displaying. We're, we're, we as followers of Jesus are always on display. And God in His grace, and I think in some ways, right, if I could be real here, God in His insanity, if God could be insane, again, let's clarify, I'm not saying God is insane. I'm not saying He's literally reckless, okay? But in His grace, in sovereignty, He's chosen to use the marriage relationship as a display of His love 
of God pursuing mankind. And then the church responding in submission, knowing that we have a God who loves us and cares for us and who adores us and who has his best interests at heart, right? And look at the big heaviness. And, 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 and again, I am spending quite a bit of time, and I think, and rightly so, because the verses spend quite a bit of time on this one subject. Because I know in a few minutes you ladies will be like, yeah, it's not fair. There's only one verse to the guys. Well, I mean, this is how the scriptures wrote it up. But look what he says. Look at the calling on our lives here. He says that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Now again, this is not saying, okay, because I know in some ways, some ways we have misinterpreted this. Well, man, so that means if my husband has gone nuts and he's doing all of these crazy things, right, I'm still called to submit. He's out and sinning and, and doing all these things and spending our money on on, on, on gambling and, and, and I know that he's wasted on this and that and I know he's flirting with the ladies and, and, and we, okay, but he's not being obedient so I'm still called to submit. Okay, let's clarify some of this. Well, one of the things, the wording here, if some do not obey the word is actually speaking of someone who does not believe in Jesus. Okay, he's actually, because the, the case and the, the things that were happening here, and Peter speaking to this, was that as the early church was developing, there was many people that were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And obviously this came up in that church where there were women coming to faith in Christ, but men were not. It's the whole reason why even Paul uh, dealt with that situation a little bit in 1 Corinthians about, about women who were married to men who didn't believe, because that was just the reality of life. You'll see it in a second that maybe physically women might be the weaker vessel, but definitely not weak when it comes to spiritual man venturing. It is a reality. I have seen over and over in the church, like in the history of the church, women who have taken great spiritual leaps of faith. Right? And so here he's just challenging the women. Like some of you might have a husband who doesn't believe, right? Who, who is not submitting, who's like, that's your God, you go for it. <laughs> but that's not my God. That's what he's speaking. He's not speaking about professing men who are simply, let's put it really simply, being lazy. Okay? In the church and in the home, God has appointed leadership, male leadership. Not so in the world, Right? I mean, again, this is specifically because of this picture. This is not saying that there shouldn't be, you know, women in forms of leadership and in government. And we see that all the time. All of us have been under the authority of other women and in our jobs and so forth. And, and, and again, I think in some ways, Scripture has been twisted, weirdly, to say that, no, that shouldn't be the case. He's specifically speaking to the church and in the home and in, and in, in some cases, even church leadership. But there's a role, there's a place for all of this. There's an idea here. So in the role, God has asked us to submit because there's a greater picture. Now let me ask you something. And I think it goes in line when, when we as followers of Jesus, when we have loved ones who just don't know the Lord. And how do we seek to win them over? How do we seek to let them know that Jesus loves them? Well man, we, we serve them. We minister to them, we, we, we love them, we come alongside and we recognize, we give grace, we give mercy. Because like as, as Stephen, as he was being martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ, what did he say? He said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the Bible says, even as a stone Stephen, he had the face of an angel. Right? And, and, and again, Peter is just saying, look. Live your life practically in a way that, that serves them so that even with your conduct, even when they're not willing to believe, right, they can't help but recognize that God is in you, that there is a God alive and active and so forth. It follows the same heart as the previous verses, right? When they see your actions of service, when they see you love the brotherhood, love your husband, and, and, and fear God, right? They see a woman who trusts God. It's the same thing that happened in verse 12, right? When he says, 
having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the, visit, in the day of visitation, meaning when they come face to face with the living God because of your actions, because of your care, because of your compassion, in many cases because of your submission, they are without excuse. They, they can't point the finger. They can't say, Lord, I would have believed, but... Lord, I would have responded to you, but... I mean, it's the oldest lie in the book, right? That's exactly what Adam did to Eve, right? The woman you gave. No, no, no. This is on you, Adam. Right? It was on him. Right? And so it's a call for women, right, to serve and to live in such a way that I believe becomes a way of, of outreach, even to our own spouses. Right, right. Peter basically is like, it works out in the world, it works on the government, but it also has to work within the home. Right, your sanctuary, your place of dwelling. Right? Then he goes on, he says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Let's understand, this is not saying that God is anti-makeup and anti-all these other things, right? Because I know that over the years, there have been many sects that have said, well, you know, we need to wear skirts all the way down our ankles and we shouldn't have any makeup and we should do this or do that or whatever. And, you know, that's not what God is talking about. I mean, I think that can go for all of us. What he's asking is, is that let the thing that is in you, let your heart, right, the beauty of a person who is following Jesus, let that be, and I believe here you can do it in both ways, whether male or female, let that be the thing that makes you most attractive as a person. Because the reality is beauty is subjective, right? To one person, you know, beauty to them is making sure they're, they're buying all the right clothes and, all, and following all the trends and so forth. Beauty to another person is that they are not following any of the trends and I'm going to shop at the thrift stores. I'm going to do all these other things, right? And to them, that's beauty. And in both cases, it can be a sense of we're looking at our outward appearances to make us feel secure and worth and valuable. Beauty is subjective. But the inward person of the heart, the, the, the person who's humble, the idea here is it's humble before the Lord. The, the, the person who is pursuing the heart of God, who cares more about what's going on in the inside, that's the incorruptible beauty of submission. Now, as I said earlier, underline that because, again, look what he says there in verse 5. I told you to underline a couple of words here. He says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. So it's definitely not talking about, hey, you shouldn't go and beautify yourselves. I, I know that Peter is really speaking to that culture where the Roman women of that time, they, and especially in that culture, they were just, man, they, they were beholden to these things. You know, chasing the extravagant and, and gold and, and wigs and all these things. I mean, you see it in some of these timepiece movies. Even the men, they're wearing these high wigs, right? Because they thought if they did their hair a certain way, then it would bring a certain amount of, like, beauty. Which, you know, guys in wigs, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, but the idea was that they were chasing these things. And here, Peter says, no. The incorruptible beauty of submission really is where it's at. The person who goes before the, the Lord, who is trusting in God, who, who is seeking after God. It doesn't, it's not about being meek or weak or a pushover. I really think his heart is this. Think about this way, especially when we're when, in that guise of, of maybe you're in a situation where, where your husband is being a knucklehead right now. And maybe he's not responding right now. 
I mean, I would say for sure that man definitely needs to repent and get right with the Lord, especially if he is a professing follower of Jesus. I mean, that guy definitely needs to repent. But I think the heart of what Peter is saying here is this. It's not just for women, but to all servants whose voice, whose voice do you want to be louder? Yours or God's? Yours or God's? When we're silent and trust God, really what it does is it puts us out of the way so that then God can speak clearly, so that God can convict, so that God can encourage, so that God can comfort, so that God can bring salvation and repentance. And I think many of us have found our situation, right, where we're ragging on our spouses, where we're just hounding them. When has that ever worked? On both sides. But when we're submitting ourselves to the Lord, really what we're doing is we're not letting them walk over us. We're, we're, we're not letting go. By our quiet submission, we're actually putting them in a place where they have to deal with God. And isn't that the best place to be anyways? That is the incorruptible beauty of submission. But now, a word to the husbands, man. And i got to move quicker here. But look what he says there in verse 7, right? To honor together means grace together. And look at this in verse 7. One verse. I know some ladies will be like, that's not fair. We've had six verses on the ladies, and now one verse on the guys. Well, again, take it up with Peter, not me. Okay, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Right? And so husbands, likewise, you're not off the hook. It's, again, it's following the same language, the same flow of what was before. You have to make that decision. Are you a servant or are you a master? A servant or a master? Right? Because here he's saying, I know some of you guys are like, man, nice, this is good. Woman, why are you over there? You should have been here listening to Pastor Joe. Like, that's not where it's at. It's not this license now to say, woman, submit. Get in the kitchen and bake me a turkey pot pie. Like, that is not where it's at. Being, for some of you older folks, right, being Archie Bunker is not where it's at. Right? But likewise, he reminds us, we, as men, in the same way, are servants. We are not kings of the castle. We're not. Sadly, in our, I think in our country and our culture, right, we went through a phase that really, that really, and I've seen it, not just in our culture, in our country, but even in, in our history, once again, as mankind, I think in many cases, we are the ones that have caused the battle of the sexes. Because we, right, are living in a fallen world and as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to change this idea that somehow that men are better than women. Again, I think the key word is different. We're different. There's just no way around it. We are different. We're not better. We're different. And we have different roles and different, and different things to play as we look at families and churches and how God even intended us to be. But remember, as followers of Jesus, again, we have an opportunity to change that. How? By remembering first and foremost, as followers of Jesus, we are servants, not masters. Now, some of us might have, like, yes, leadership, and, and, and our roles for some of us might be bosses or employers, and, and we as well might be holding, you know, a, a public office positions and so forth, but we are first and foremost servants. That's what God has called us to. That's the example that Jesus modeled for us in John's gospel. In John chapter 13, look what he says there, and this is what he shared with the disciples, on the night that he would betrayed, uh, be betrayed, this is what he left his disciples with. Right? It says in John chapter 12, uh, 13, verse 12, And so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, 
do you know what I have done to you? And again, this is right after Jesus humbled himself and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. He took the role of the lowest of the low, right? Being a servant. And he tells them, you call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do that. For us as men, he's called us to be servants, to dwell with our wives, our spouses, with understanding. You know, what's interesting is the word understanding is the same word that Peter uses or the, the same kind of a vein of, of words that he uses in verse uh, 17 when he says, honor all people. The idea is in which, in which we are honoring our wives. That we dwell with them with understanding that we're seeking not just to, dwell, to honor them, but actually it's this, the, the wording there is that we are seeking to comprehend, to learn from them and to learn of them. Man, it's heavy to seek a friendly and harmonious relationship or to be in the pursuit of them. That's what God has called. And, and sadly, I will say, I've seen too many men don't understand their wives and they just shrug it off. Ah, that's just, you know. That's not our call, man. Our, our call is to get off of our captain's chairs, off of our lazy boys at home, and to seek to honor our wives. Right? To seek to love them. And, and to treat them well. That's our calling there. And, and you'll see that, 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 the, that the, the stakes are very high. Now look what he says there. Honor them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Now again, I know some maybe are thinking like, okay, the weaker vessel. How's that? Well, again... Practically speaking, there's just no way around it. I know this is another big controversy right in our, in our country right now. But the reality is that we are different. Men and women are different. It's just how it is. It's how God made us. We're built differently. In some cases, yes, women might be physically weaker. But it was never meant to be a point of weakness or an area to exploit, and it definitely does not mean that they are weaker spiritually speaking. And I think we see that. I think over and over we see examples of where Jesus elevated women, and He honored them, and He made them from in that culture especially as objects of possession, as second-class citizens, and has elevated them really to equality, Different, but equal. Not better or worse, but different. I mean, even in our culture, in some ways, we've seen that. Where women have been treated as second-class citizens. And, and yes, for sure, we have to acknowledge that, yes, there have been many a woman who is very well qualified to do certain jobs and men, and for some reason, they get paid less. I mean, that's just the reality of the world we live in. But I can tell you right now, from the heart of Jesus, it was never meant to be that way. Our sinful and fallen natures have created that, I think, angst and that tension. But it was never meant to be that way. For sure, we may be different, but we are of equal value. May, we may have different roles when it comes to home and, and church and so forth, but we are co-heirs. Listen to this, guys. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. In God's economy, God honors both of us equal and fellow heirs of the grace of God. She is a co-heir with you as we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. When we as husbands fail in this area, man, here Peter says our prayers are hindered. 
Our prayers fall short, right? You can pray all you want. You can go and you can minister to all these people. And I've seen it. And I'm sure you have seen it. It's been horrible to see men that I have counted as faith giants. Giants in the faith. And then after they have passed, or whatever the case may be, we start digging into their personal lives a little bit. We start hearing as, we, as these autobiographies come out, we find out that they were horrible husbands. Great writers, but horrible husbands. And here, Peter says that when we lack in those areas, man, that our prayers are hindered. Our prayers are hindered. Why? Because when we look at those two things together, right, we are meant to bless. We were called to bless. Look at the the culmination. Again, it's all of it. It's going from the outer circle, a little bit smaller, and then even tinier to the home life. It goes from governing authorities, the king, to local bosses, and now in the home. Why? That in all things, as followers of Jesus, man, we were called to bless. We were called to be a blessing. Look what he says in the final you know, few verses in verse 8 as we get ready to close here soon. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The the, the heart behind Peter is in all of these things. Whether we're in the role of a wife or a husband or a leader or in government or we as masters, we're as servants, as employees and all these things that finally in all these things that we would keep these at the center of our hearts of who we are. Because in the end, the bigger picture is that we were called to be be a blessing so that we might be of one mind, right? That we might be willing to show compassion. The idea there is that we're sympathizing with the joys and sorrows of our fellow brother and sister, of our husbands, of our wives, of our, even our government, that, that we would love as brothers, that we would be tenderhearted. The idea is that we would be pitiful towards those or, or show compassion or be able to empathize. And, and here I would say, guys, and this is where I would really caution us, uh, men and women, especially right now, that we would be courteous there. Look at the verse. He says that he would love life. He would see the good days. That he would refrain his tongue from evil. The idea is there is being courteous, like genuine politeness and show humility. And guys, I got to say right now, especially in this time and in this place of the things that we're going through. I think that for us as believers right now, that could be such a strength for us right now in this time. Because right now there are so many differing opinions and all of us have the truth right now. I mean, we're constantly sharing it on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter and And everywhere we can get, because those are all our main platforms right now. And the world might write what they're going to write. They're going to say what they're going to say. But I got to say for us here, as followers of Jesus, man, we're called to be courteous. We're called to be polite. And and I got to say, you know, in some ways, I will just say that, man, it it has broken my heart. To see professing believers and some of the things they've been posting lately on Facebook and on some of these platforms. When you take some of the comments and the harshness, the way we've been responding to people who disagree with us, sometimes those standalone comments, guys, it would be really hard for me to recognize anyone that that person is an actual follower of Jesus. Jesus. 
And I would say maybe even just like, as just brother to brother, man, let's guard our hearts. Let's guard our mouths. Look, we're not always going to agree. We're not always going to see eye to eye on the issues and on things that are very important to us. But at the very least, because we are followers of Jesus, man, we can be courteous. We can be courteous. Why? Because our lives were meant to bless. It's not because we will inherit a blessing that we bless, but it's because we have been blessed. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We were meant to be different. In verse 10, look what he says there again. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You were called to bless. Look what John Calvin says on this very topic. He says, men commonly think that they would be exposed to the wantonness of their enemies if they did not strenuously vindicate their rights. But the Spirit promises a life of blessedness to none but those who are gentle and patient of evils. Man, i got to say that one more time for us. Men commonly think that they would be exposed to the wantonness of their enemies if they did not strenuously vindicate their rights. But the Spirit promises a life of blessedness to none but those who are gentle and patient of evils. God, is it the calling that in all these things that we would be a blessing? It's not easy. But in the bigger and greater picture, we have nothing to lose but everything to gain in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have someone greater than us who submitted himself to radical evil and walked this earth sinless and without blame and yet laid down his rights and died in our place. When we do the same, man, we have the opportunity to point to Jesus isn't that, isn't that our calling? A calling to bless? To bless others in the name of Jesus? Because of Jesus? But it must start in the home. The wife to the husband and the husband to the wife as joint heirs of the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, Jesus. We thank you for... Lord, your love and all these things. And I know in some of these things, in many things, Lord, we...